Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Trucker's Podcast. Straightforward talk and out with it. Current events, local, world news, and trends. 9 p.m. Wednesday. To come out here and join me. Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Trucker's Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. How's everybody doing this fine Wednesday evening? So let's get those thank yous out there, ladies and gentlemen, to all of our workers, our essential workers and our frontline workers, our doctors and our nurses, and our paramedics and our police and our fire department. I thank you for the job that you do day in and day out. And also, thank you to all of our Listeners and our guests, I thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me here on the Truckers Podcast. So, I guess um, back in the springtime, you know, we had the um, the lockdown, and um, you know, people obviously, you know, out of work. So the government, you know, they came up with the Canadian Emergency Response Benefit that Canadians could apply for who lost their job. But there were some problems for some people. She feels bad for Canadians who apply for the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, thinking they might have met the minimum income requirements, only to learn they might have to repay thousands of dollars. 
아까 생각은 생각을 해라. But while the minister told CBC News that nothing is off the table, the government is not considering letting any one who applied in good faith off the hook, as the NDP and Green Party have suggested. There's not a conversation happening right now where we, where we would forgive people or where we would not require people who were not eligible to pay it back, no, she said. Communications could have been clear since the minister. Find out, I guess, as we go into this. In recent weeks, some 441,000 Canadians have received education letters from the Canada Revenue Agency asking for more information to determine whether that they received. Many who face the prospect of repayment have argued that the government had not been clear about how it defines income. The CERB application asked Canadians to attest that they made a minimum of 5000 more in 2019. Some self-employment Canadians say they believe they meant all income, since there was no mention of expenses. The CRA insists self-employment income always refers to the net pre-tax income or gross income minus expenses. For self-employed persons, those expenses could include the cost of materials needed to run their business or work-related cell phone. The CRA has pointed to a question and answer page on Canada.ca that explains the income requirements. An agency spokesperson said that the requirements have been in place since the beginning of the CERB program. But that page appears to have been launched about two weeks after the applications opened. Well, that's it. Others point out that the Canada Emergency Response Benefit Act itself only refers to total income. I don't know. The government did update some of its communications as questions came in, but there was no change in government policy. She points out that the benefits such as the GST credit or the Canada Child Benefit are based on the same definition income. I thought to myself, I've been pretty clear in my communications, he said, but obviously if people misunderstood, that's on us. It's up to us to communicate these programs as complex as they are. Well, There was people who applied who were on social assistance and who were on a disability. And those people shouldn't have applied 
for the emergency recovery effort. So the minister the minister says she hopes many Canadians who receive letters from the CRA will ultimately find out they don't have to repay. She said she feels bad for those who do. Of course I feel bad. We all feel bad. Noting that the CRB program in particular was designed to help those in horribly difficult and uncertain circumstances because of the pandemic. She did suggest that the government could find ways to lessen the financial um, stigma benefit callbacks. And as she said earlier, we haven't made a decision on forgiveness. Certainly that isn't right now the plan but there's a lot of programs already in existence that may, maybe we can beef up to help Canadians forgive interest or repayment options. We're really digging into it. And also now we, you know, we're talking about the unclear when debt collection could begin. Well, the CRA Letters are by those who owe money to repay it by December 31st. The agency said that's for tax filing purposes and it's not meant to be a repayment deadline. Well, that's the expression um, a lot of people got. You know, and then it threw a lot of panic into these individuals thinking they have to pay back, you know, close to $18,000 by the end of the year. Delaying repayment could inflate a, a taxpayer's income in 2020 and affect entitlement to credits and benefits. The Canadian Revenue Agency hasn't been collecting on new debt since the pandemic began. The agency has said it will resume collection activities when it is responsible to do so too soon to say when that'll be. Well, I think they need to figure out first who's going to have to pay it back and who isn't. He said there has been tax filers who discuss amending their 2019 returns by shifting some eligible expenses to another tax year or by simply not claiming them. That could boost their declared net incomes and retroactively make them eligible for the for the emergency recovery benefit. Well, maybe there's just an easy fix to this. I guess um, when asked about the comments on Wednesday, I certainly won't be giving that advice to my.
So that out here, I got a connection. So I hope none of some of this isn't washed out. Hopefully not. See what else is going on in this crazy world of ours. What's going on out here in Canada? Well, a little bit about the vaccine. How long will the vaccine protect you? And here's what we know so far. With COVID-19 vaccinations officially underway in Canada and other parts around the world, there appears to be a light at the end of the tunnel even as the coronavirus cases and deaths continue to rise. Well, they certainly are. Our Premier of Ontario has asked all hospitals to go to their emergency plans. A vaccine can, can prevent illnesses from the novel coronavirus. But as real-world vaccinations take place out of clinical trial settings, there are still some unanswered questions. Should we expect the pandemic to be over once the vaccine is available for public use? This is not exactly. This is from a PhD student at the McGill University that he wrote in uh, in one of the, in one of his columns. A vaccine will not be perfect, and it takes time for the immune system to be ready to protect us. Here's how it works. A vaccine is generally made, made up of, of a weakened or a dead virus, which once injected prompts the body to fight off the invader and build immunity. Both Pfizer and Moderna's candidates have been manufactured using mRNA-based technology, a relatively new way to make vaccines. Instead of injecting a deactivated form of the virus, the mRNA vaccine uses a component of the virus's DNA called messenger, or RNA that basically body to make specific spike proteins of the, of the coronavirus. By doing this, the immune system learns to recognize and respond to that specific protein, meaning it can more quickly mount a response if the virus enters the body. The mRNA, however, does not modify a person's DNA or genetic makeup. When your body actually sees the real virus, then you have the weapons already in place. The antibodies in the cells that know the virus, that it can recognize it, and it can kill it faster. As Dr. Abdonald Ben, an infectious disease specialist and a medical microbiologist at the McGill University Health Center, How long will the protections last? 
according to the data from the clinical trials, the Pfizer vaccine, which is 90% uh, 95% effective, can offer partial protection as early as 12 days after the first dose. The protection can last for at least two months, according to Vin. The second dose then required to achieve the vaccine's full potential. The data also shows that a second dose given in 21 days later boosts the immune response, offering protection starting one week after the second jab. Moderna's candidate, which is still pending approval by Health Canada, can mount protective antibody levels within two weeks of the first dose and last for at least three months. The Moderna vaccine, which also requires a second shot, has known to be 95% effective. However, it still remains to, see, to be seen that the long-term immune response will be after vaccination. We only had started using this particular product in humans since March, and the phase one clinical trials began, but we don't actually know how long protection will last, said Dr. Isaac, an infectious disease specialist at the University of Toronto, said during a media briefing on Zoom. And clearly, this is something that is going to be studied formally with time to see if perhaps people do need a booster vaccine. Can a vaccine prevent the spread of the coronavirus? Vaccines are typically designed to prevent people from getting sick with the virus, but it's not yet clear if the COVID-19 vaccines by Pfizer or Moderna can stop you from transmitting the virus to others. This is why it's important for people to continue taking precautions, physical distancing, wearing masks, and avoiding gatherings especially in poorly ventilated spaces until the vaccine is rolled out on a large enough scale so that we know its impact on both infection and transmission. And like I said, you know, the governments aren't going to let their guard down. When people start getting vaccinated, it's not going to be a free-for-all. As experience with past, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with past vaccinations have shown, he added, the more people are immunized, the better the chances of, of, of reaching a herd immunity. Herd immunity is when a population can be protected from a certain virus like COVID-19. If a threshold of vaccines is, is reached, it's achieved by protecting people from the virus, not by exposing them to it. The World Health Organization said. What we have seen with rollout of the flu vaccines for the, for the past several decades is that it also decreases transmissions in the community so that even people who cannot get vaccinated, they can still be protected because other people in the community are vaccinated. Makes a lot of sense. Even, you know, experts suggest that at least 70 to 75% of the population will have to be immunized to control the spread of the virus. 
the effectiveness of these vaccines are only going to be as good as the number of people who get them. That's why it's important that everybody get vaccinated. In the early stages, Canada, like the United States, focuses on high-risk groups, including long-term care workers and residents. Those, those aged above 80, buying health care workers and indigenous community members. Dr. Anna, an infectious disease specialist at the University of Toronto, said this prioritization can help in a significant drop in the number of hospitalizations and deaths. What we need is for Now let's go to the lighter side of the show, ladies and gentlemen. And where did all my stuff go here? I don't know if I did this one. I think I did. I probably did. I guess I did that one. I did that one, I think. Well, that's a big one. Well, let's see what we got here. You know, this one here is interesting. I had a dog named Pepper when I was a kid. That's a really big one. I don't know why it does that. It should just be left on the same page that I was on. What's going on here? We'll find something. Let's see what this brings up. Let's see what we got here. 
as that one. This is by doesn't say, but this is the Calgary News. Santa adopts to spread Christmas cheer to Calgary society for persons with disabilities. A client of the Calgary Society of Persons. decade uh, for the organization's Christmas party. This year was a little bit different as a result of the pandemic, but that didn't stop Santa going out in a familiar red suit to spread the spirit of the holidays. This gentleman who's playing Santa said it's something I enjoy and it's an honor. Typical year round, we see him dress up as Santa for other members of the organization, handing out presents and posing for photos. This year, his supportive roommates are driving from home to home to deliver gifts and Christmas cheer. We are taking Santa Claus around to our group homes and we are handing out gifts to our clients. Santa Claus will be making all of his rounds to the houses as opposed to all the houses coming to the party hall. Well, that's a great idea. The organization's Christmas party is something that the clients look forward to every year, and COVID-19 wasn't going to stop him from putting a smile on other on all the clients' faces. Well, that's pretty good. So we'll end it here, ladies and gentlemen, for the evening, and I'll be back out Thursday, hopefully a little bit earlier, 8 p.m. probably. So let's get those thank yous out there to all of our essential workers, our frontline workers, our doctors, our nurses, our paramedics, and our police, and our fire departments. I thank you for the job that you do day in. Thank you to my guests, my listeners, my followers. I thank you for taking the time out of your day to join me here on the Trumpet Podcast. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Truckers Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, from London, Ontario, Canada. 
Have a great evening, everybody. Until tomorrow night, take care.